0: Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit boards. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources.
1: The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything
0: nonprofit with your host, Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding.
2: Hey there, thanks for joining us today for another episode of Nonprofit Everything packed with juicy questions and hopefully even juicier answers. Uh, Or I'm just saying that to get you to actually listen all the way through. So who knows, but uh, either way, appreciate you being here. And as you know, this happens and is made possible through your questions. So you can send us a question at any time. Check out nonprofiteverything.com, find us on Facebook, Uh, Track down Andy or I, and you know we are happy to take your questions and uh, make sure we answer them in the future. And if you're not familiar with Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, check them out. Go to their website, become a member. Uh, Lots of lots of offerings, and uh, Anne is is the group that makes uh, this podcast possible. So uh, enjoy.
1: Our nonprofit relies on volunteers, but they're staying away now. Any ideas on how to get them back?
2: Oh, one of the tough effects of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I certainly am not an expert in this, but I, you know, some just kind of basic ideas I would have not knowing, not knowing exactly how to approach this would be figuring out are there other ways to engage them in your work that require them not to be, you know, at a facility or to be interacting with people. And I'm sure that's, that's probably, you know, the organization or the person writing this comes from an organization that that's the kind of work you need volunteers for. So I'm not sure that this advice is, is going to apply, but my thought is, is like, there's other things that organizations need help with that you don't have to be in person. So So could you move some of your volunteers to another opportunity for your organization? Um, You know, I know one organization that actually had volunteers help with mask sewing at the beginning of COVID. Um, I have, you know, another client that actually said we need help with like creative card making. So we want to make, you know, great cards and inspirational cards for, for some of the people we serve and sort of put it in the little bag of of goodies we're giving them. So, so would you help us with that? Um, so, so are there, are there sort of odds and ends like that, that, that could still help people feel like they're making an impact, but may just be in a different way. Uh, I also think like in, in times like these, are there ways to kind of ramp up your volunteer program? So so perhaps it's a great opportunity to actually check in with volunteers and still keep them close because i think the the lack of communication with anybody right now is what what where we lose people so how do we sort of still update our volunteers or do a check in and let them know you know if there are these other opportunities or just see how they are as people um so so just kind of that personal touch uh you know and and perhaps they can help you with just kind of be your your mission ambassadors of getting you know spreading word about what you still are doing on social media networks. I mean, I, I think there's some creative ways around this if you just can't get people to come in person. But but I'm sure there's probably um, other ideas that are that are more strategic than mine.
1: Yeah, I think this is a perfect example of a question that we can get an expert in on. Somebody who's actually doing this and knows what they're talking about, rather than me, who would tell you what you already know.
2: (laughs) Well, and yes, and I'm, I'm I'm sure I just repeated a bunch of stuff that everyone's like, yeah, thought of that, been there, done that, doesn't work. So, all right, well, expert time. Hey, everybody! It's a great day today. You know why? Well, we have a special guest on Nonprofit Everything, a friend and colleague of mine, Jacob Murdoch. Welcome, Jacob.
0: Thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me join the podcast today.
2: We're so excited to have you. And uh, before we dive into the question, let me, sh- let me share a little bit about your background with our listeners. So uh, Jacob is a nonprofit professional and educator. He has worked in volunteer management for the past 14 years, and in his current role, he serves as the manager of volunteer and community partnerships at the Mob Museum. Oh, that sounds like such a cool job, Jacob.
0: I, you know, I love the museum, and I love, I, I love the job. Um, and I mean, I tell my volunteers all the time, I work with the best volunteers in all of Southern Nevada. So I apologize to the other volunteer managers. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds like you guys can have like you know I don't know some sort of a fist fight or you know sort of arm right. wrestling about it. So um, <laughs> awesome! Well, we're so glad to have you. Uh, I know today you're joining us really as just a volunteer management professional, not necessarily on behalf of your role with the Mob Museum. But but we had right. to make sure our listeners knew that that you do you do have the credentials because volunteers yes. are your jam. So. Mm-hmm. Is there anything not in your bio that you want to share with our listeners?
0: Sure. Well, um, I am also an educator. So I currently teach uh, classes in the leadership certificate at UNLV's College of Continuing Education. So that's probably my other passion is leadership education that's kind of related to volunteer management, but not necessarily all the time. And uh, I'm also a fellow podcaster and co host a community affairs podcast called Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast.
2: Well, we will make sure to link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Yes. it's (laughs) I I know, Andy and I know how, you know, that sort of mutual promotion and in sort of trying to support each other makes a world of difference, so.
0: Right. Yes, most definitely. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Okay. Well, let's dive right in. Sure. So the question, the question we got was, our nonprofit relies on volunteers, but they are staying away now. Any ideas on how to get them back
0: You know that is a million dollar question right now and and from my perspective and things that I've read from other volunteer management professionals is this is you know we're all facing this um, So first off I would say this is a common problem and don't hesitate to reach out to other, volunteer managers or other nonprofit professionals just for support, because I think we all are facing this. So when I was thinking about this, I was trying to think of ways, you know, things to just consider about this, um, you know, and, and, you know, at least the last couple of months, it doesn't seem like the health recommendations are changing too much. Um, you know, we've kind of seen a consistent the last maybe three months, this is what we're recommending. So that's the first thing that I would consider is what policies and procedures does your organization have in place to keep volunteers and staff safe? You know, a lot of the organizations that are still utilizing volunteers, you know, have some sort of wellness check procedure, taking temperature, asking people questions. I'm sure we've all experienced that too, going into maybe different stores or different, you know, places uh, during this time also some sort of contact tracing or internal, you know, tracing procedure so that if somebody in the organization does test positive, that there's a way to notify other people in an appropriate manner so that, you know, volunteers and staff can go into the organization and say, hey, I feel safe, that I would know if somebody tested positive. I know that, you know, the organization's thinking about me as a volunteer. Um, And then also just, you know, is the letting volunteers know about enhanced cleaning procedures or, um, you know, d- disinfecting or just other safety procedures. I think that goes a long way. And I found, you know, particularly communicating with volunteers that I work with or places that I volunteer, that is something that, you know, uh, of course, I'm a volunteer manager. So I'll ask for those policies and procedures. But I know I've had feedback too that says, okay, we feel comfortable because you're very transparent about this.
2: Interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I wondered if, it, yeah, if you found that you communicated it on the front end with, did you sort of proactively say to your volunteers, here's what we're doing? Or was it more when they had a question, um, you just sort of let them know? Or, or were, was it literally like signs in your, in your building? I mean, I'm curious to know just sort of the mechanics of it.
0: You know, I, I would say it was for first, and for, for, uh, first and foremost, um, before we even allowed volunteers back, it was something that we told our volunteers about. These are our safety procedures and policies for COVID. And then, of course, you know, in, in my professional position, we do have signs everywhere. Um, we have reminders, um, you know, and I send reminders of when the policy is updated as well, even to volunteers who are not currently volunteering with us. Uh, they still get that reminder. So they know kind of the, the evolution of the, the policies and procedures. And I've heard that too from other colleagues in the community that that's, you know, as things change, they're just going ahead and sending that information to volunteers um, so that volunteers are aware of that. Um, I know I had a conversation with the Discovery Children's Museum volunteer manager and they're doing some great things as well to make sure that volunteers feel safe and comfortable in, you know, inside of the building.
2: That's that's wonderful. I'm curious if you've run into any problems where you've had volunteers not want to follow by your rules, and if you have policies around that.
0: So I would say I haven't encountered that, um, but it is something that, you know, I am very upfront about, particularly with new volunteers that are coming in that have come in during this time, is just making sure like, hey, you know, these are the things that, we will address with you immediately. These are things that can get you dismissed as a volunteer if you don't want to follow the the policies that we have. Is there just as just as much of a policy as anything else that you have to do as a volunteer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I haven't I haven't heard from any colleagues about anybody struggling with that. I'm sure it exists because we know that there are people out there who don't want to follow those policies and procedures. But um, you know, we make it a pretty pretty set. Like, these are the rules. If you don't follow the rules, you don't have to be here.
2: Good. Good. I'm glad to, I'm comforted to know that as, as just someone out there in the community. And I I think that's the right thing to do right now.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, The other thing that, that I was thinking of is, is what things can your organization do that volunteers can be, can do remotely? And, and I know it's hard because we're already having to like transition, maybe some of our professional staff to remote, but if volunteers are an essential part of the work that you're doing, figuring out things that they can do, um, that they can do from home. And so, you know, whether that's, you know, if there's data entry that they can do from home that maybe they were normally doing from your office, but they can do from home if they're more comfortable with it. Obviously there, you know, are some legal ramifications if there's any private information, but, you know, I think we all have types of things that volunteers could do from home that maybe we just haven't thought about. And so you know even if it's something you know that is different than what volunteers were doing with you while they were physically present with you, just trying to think about new new things that volunteers can do. Um, I know one of the things that I've seen successful both for for my organization but also some other organizations is even having volunteers lead like remote discussions with other volunteers. So it's a way to utilize some of our, you know, some of your, your great volunteers at helping connect with other volunteers. You know, I'm sure we all know those volunteers who are more talkative and and want, you know, know the business of everybody anyway. (laughs) And so it's a great way to utilize them by, you know, connect, staying connected with some of the other volunteers. Um, And that's something that we used during when the museum was closed. Um, That was a a tactic. And then still, that's still something that's going on now is that I have a couple of volunteers who will connect with other volunteers. That's what they're doing.
2: I I love that idea. One of the things I've I've read out there is that just sort of the communication and the family feel of volunteers does not need to end because of what's going on with COVID. So it sounds like you're keeping that alive and well, and are you finding your volunteers are receptive? I mean, the ones who are obviously facilitating these conversations are receptive. What mm-hmm. about the others? Are they receptive to participating?
0: I would say about fifty percent of the volunteers that we had prior to um, you know the initial COVID shutdown are receptive. Yeah, there are some that aren't, and and that's okay. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that, but I think 50% is a good, that's a, that's a great number. And then, you know, we are still bringing on new volunteers, um, which I have some suggestions for as well, but we're still bringing on some new volunteers too, which, uh, you know, some of them have gotten involved with some of those, those uh, remote or virtual interactions right away, um, right after starting with us too, which is great.
2: So, before we dive into your suggestions on some of the bringing on some of the new volunteers, I I am curious to know if you're just seeing both both anecdotally within your organization as well as looking at national trends. What are the trends showing us around volunteerism right now? What are you seeing? Because because I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'm hearing you say, "Oh, we have new volunteers who are coming on board." So, so is that something? That is has increased, uh, given people's wanting to need, you know, help out during this time of need.
0: So that's a that's a that's a great question. Uh, and doing some of the research, so national trends, um, volunteer match has been doing kind of like monthly reports on volunteer trends right now, and they've their data has shown that while volunteering has definitely decreased, uh, which I think makes sense um, nationwide because of all the restrictions and you know, and that sort of thing, um, and personal safety, but that the, the belief that volunteering and volunteerism is necessary and important has greatly increased. And so we're seeing people feel like, you know, believe that volunteerism is much more important than maybe it was in the past, even though the volunteer numbers don't necessarily mean that. I think it's interesting because we can see, you know, maybe some of the, oh, shortcomings of, particularly maybe government public services uh, right now. And so we feel like, okay, where where can those gaps be filled? Those gaps can be filled by the nonprofit sector and volunteers are an important piece of that. So, um, and along with that data too, they also mentioned that donations, the importance of donations, you know, the belief in the importance of that has increased. Although I I didn't, they didn't, I think, specifically measure the number amount of donations and if donations has gone up, but the belief that donating is important has also you know increased, which I think is 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 a positive trend, and we want to continue that. And, you know from from anecdotally, I think that uh, where what I see is is people are more interested in volunteering, and that could be because more people are out of work or they have fewer hours uh, at work, so they have more time on their hands. They Again, they see maybe some of those shortcomings of public services and want to give back. And then also, um, you know, one of the unique things that I think that I've seen personally is we have a lot of students who now that they're doing school at home um, and even college students, most of them are doing most of their classes online. They have more time and they want to do something productive with that time. And so while it may not be possible to get a job if they didn't already have one, they're able to give that time to a nonprofit organization. And I think that's really positive, too, because I think students often are stressed because of school and because of extracurricular activities. And now when they don't have some of those extracurricular activities, they see the importance of or they are like, I have time to volunteer. Now I'm going to volunteer because I have this time, which I think is really awesome.
2: I hope, I hope they get the volunteer bug from doing this so that when this, this is all behind us, they'll, they'll still want right. to find time to volunteer. That would be pretty cool for the sector.
0: Oh, for sure. And especially in, you know, in our community, I, I think that it would just be so great to have an influx of younger volunteers that continue to stay volunteering. And, and that would just be really fantastic for us.
2: Awesome. So do you want to dive into some ideas or specifics on onboarding new volunteers?
0: Sure. So the first thing that that came to mind is engaging other types of volunteers. So I know anecdotally um, with many of my colleagues, the biggest group of volunteers um, in our community generally are retirees. So that is, that is, but you know, that has been traditionally a very large group that volunteers in our community. Now, unfortunately, because of COVID, that's that also for many of those individuals may be the most at risk individuals in our community. So we can expect that many of them either don't want to volunteer, or in some cases, there are organizations that have restrictions on volunteers, um, because of their at risk nature. So I think it's important to think, okay, so if that's You know, for some organizations, if that's your primary demographic, you want to start looking for other types of volunteers. So I think right now, particularly with some of the things I mentioned, high school students, college students, and even the possibility of engaging interns is probably even easier now than it ever has been. And so, as I mentioned, we're seeing a lot more high school and college students come in, um, particularly because some of the traditional places they like to volunteer are not options. Hospitals, number one not an option to volunteer at right now. Um, makes sense. I don't think I need to go into why so, and that they utilize, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of volunteers in our community. So that's a place that those volunteers who were volunteering at hospitals still want to volunteer, but they don't, they don't know where to go because they can't go to their, you know, the previous place. Then there are some organizations that have, that aren't utilizing volunteers and so where are those volunteers? Because many of them may still want to volunteer. I find a lot of those are still in those same demographics. And then, two, there's also organizations. You know, one of the benefits that, that we've had of volunteers is that we allow 16 year olds to volunteer without a parent or guardian, um, which a lot of places don't. And so, you know, we have kind of an upper hand, I think, in that regard to getting high school students um, but a lot of other places they like to volunteer either have additional restrictions um, or are not allowing volunteers. So, you know, the National natural Natural history museum has some different restrictions. Three square has some different restrictions. Um, And so some of the, it doesn't make it as easy to volunteer as maybe it was before. And I think those are all common sense restrictions. So 100% agree with that, but, you know, think about maybe some different types of volunteers that you can engage and interns a lot of those places that our college students were interning at, they can't intern with, and so that leaves a lot of folks who need that experience, and we can provide that experience for them. And and maybe they hadn't even thought of nonprofits as a place to intern, and now you know we can bring them in and maybe do some work, and they can work remotely as well. So you know, thinking about some of those things, I think are are really important, um, and just thinking about different types of volunteers.
2: I I love that. I I keep picturing this sort of pie chart, you always hear the idea of diverse revenue sources, but there's such a thing as diverse volunteer sources too, and where we're finding our right. volunteers.
0: Yeah. And the great thing is um, the the local universities and colleges all have great Career services websites and staff who are willing to help. And I know I've heard from you know some career services folks that this is a really tough time to find internships for college students. Um, they don't have as many employers that are willing to do internships. So this could be a great opportunity to get you know really great folks with lots of energy to help out the organization.
2: I love it. I love it. It's it's nice to hear. There's a bright spot in all of this.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think you know it's it's it's. It's just so difficult. Um, and I know we as nonprofit professionals also get really stressed out and, you know, I think too silver ish lining of this is that we're all kind of dealing with these struggles. So, you know, if you bring on an intern and you say, Hey, we've never done this before, but we're really committed to your success an intern is probably going to be a lot more willing to understand that because they know the current circumstances too. You know, they're probably their preference would be to go be going to school in person, but they're not. So, you know, we're all kind of, I think, willing to, to be a little bit more understanding and empathetic than maybe normal circumstances or prior to COVID circumstances.
2: Definitely giving each other more grace. And that's, that's important. And, and I love what you said about just being upfront about it with with any volunteer, (laughs) right. Letting them know, Hey, listen, we don't have this model perfected. So, so hang with us while we work through the kinks and we promise that uh, we'll we'll try to do our best to course correct along the way.
0: Right. Yeah, most definitely. And that's, I think that's a, that's a good practice for us to be more forgiving Uh, and probably we could have done that before, but that's, that's a conversation for another time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, and the other thing that I think is really important is just connect, uh, creating opportunities for connection between volunteers. And that can be, you know, I, I like to hold by week or, you know, twice a month um, meet and greets, as I call them, with volunteers. Whoever wants to show up can show up. They're, they're via Zoom. We have a mix of new volunteers, mix of, you know, more experienced volunteers, folks that have been with us for years, folks that may have just started, we usually have an educational component, but then all, a lot of it too is just updates, you know, and whether it's personal updates or updates from the organization. And I hear of other organizations that are doing this too. Um, I know some of the organizations I volunteer with have done have done just, you know, like volunteer hangouts, which is great. It's a great way to stay connected to the organization if we can't be there in person. And I think that's a really important thing. And, you know, volunteers love where they volunteer, It is a part of their identity. And so we need to be cognizant of that and help continue or build that identity while we have the opportunity. And I found one of the great things to do is kind of the educational component. It was always really difficult to do like educational sessions or workshops for volunteers prior to COVID. And now, you know, I think that's an opportunity we have to use this time to help build the skills and knowledge base of our volunteers uh, while also continuing with that connection.
2: I'm curious as to why you think it was difficult before COVID.
0: I think because people have a lot of, you know, commitments and, you know, we particularly, you know, uh, for my organization, we had, we have a lot fewer people volunteering um, and, that allows us to kind of maybe dedicate some more time to some of those educational workshops. But I think it is just availability and a lot of our volunteers are staying at home. And so they have the availability to just log in to zoom for an hour every other week and communicate when maybe, you know, scheduling time to do that would have been almost impossible prior to, to get the numbers of people, you know, I'm averaging about 20 people on those calls, which is great. If I were to have done that before COVID probably get maybe five to 10 people in person. So, you know, so it definitely, I like, I like the level of engagement for yeah. sure. Yeah.
2: It's, yeah. It's, I I think that we all have, we're all in a position whatever, whatever our role is with our organization, but we're all in a position to really think about what we learned during this time and what we want to take away and try to move forward with. Right. I mean, right. and that yeah. sounds like one of them for, I mean, while you always did it before, is there a way to continue that? And maybe it's not, you know, maybe sometimes it's in person, maybe sometimes you do it virtually. I mean, I think there's going to be more, we're going to see more of a hybrid is my, if I was looking mm-hmm. into a, a, you know, a crystal ball, I would say, gosh, maybe we're going to see sort of more of a mix of some Zoom and some in person and really being thoughtful about how even the barrier of, of time is travel time to a facility.
0: Right. Oh, that's, and that's huge. And our community, it, you know, if you're if you're located in, on one of the corner, if your organizations in one of the corners of the community, you're gonna not get a bunch of people. You know, there will be people that wouldn't come anyway because of the travel time. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, uh, I'm curious before we before we wrap up, I would love to ask you if you find there to be really helpful sources of finding volunteers because I am thinking for some of our listeners out there. Uh, if their their existing volunteer source has dried up, I mean, that's obviously probably the first place to start on how can you re-engage them with some of the the strategies you used. But as they look to find new volunteers, are there sources you would recommend?
0: Most definitely. I I think uh, the free online volunteer databases, Volunteer Match probably being the biggest, uh, is a great resource. We get a lot of our volunteers through Volunteer Match. Also, as I mentioned, um, UNLV, CSN, and Nevada State College all have great career services websites, and those are all free for nonprofits to use. You don't have to pay for that, and and I would recommend if you haven't done that to definitely get on those. Um, I know UNLV also has a volunteer database. I don't believe CSN or Nevada State does, um, but that's a great way to search out as well. And again, those are all free resources. I'm a big fan of the free because... I mean, particularly right now, a lot of our budgets are, are really, uh, you know, kind of much smaller for some of that stuff. Uh, so I would say those are great places. And then also, um, you know, if there are, we haven't been using them, but if there, if you, you know, like message boards or Facebook groups, things like that may also be, particularly if there's a specific interest that your, you know, or topic that your nonprofit works with, you may be able to find folks through. Through places like that, great. Right. Yeah. And
2: for those of our our, our listeners who may be uh, up north or in rural Nevada, uh, I don't know about rural rural Nevada what the um, what the options might be, but I think some of your ideas are transferable. I mean, volunteer match, um, and perhaps uh, maybe just going to more locally, sort of more homegrown, right? Some of the, right. the local organizations or companies or things when when the time is right. And um, definitely, I would assume we can certainly check it out and put that as a link, too. I would assume UNR has something similar to uh, the, the University of yeah, Southern Nevada. Okay.
0: Yeah. And Great Basin College, Western Nevada Community College, and Truckee Meadows all have uh, something similar as far as their career services offices. And then reach out to the school districts. I think if you're rural, um, they're a lot more accessible. And so, you know, it's hard for us here in Southern Nevada to directly market volunteer opportunities through the school district just because it's so large. But I would bet that a lot of those smaller districts and even smaller, you know, small high schools, if they're requiring their students to do volunteer service, um, which I think most schools in Nevada do, then that's a great, great way too, because they're probably don't have a lot of options. Uh, If you're, you know, if you're in Ely, you may not have a ton of options of places to volunteer. Um, So if you're an organization that is nearby or in Ely, contact the schools.
2: I love it. Well, you have, as always, uh, lit up (laughs) my brain with some new ideas. And uh, I I know our listeners appreciate your time, Jacob, uh, and we just appreciate Uh, you sharing your expertise and knowledge. I know everyone is busy and crazed with the holiday season. So appreciate you taking the time to be here with us.
0: Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks to you and Andy for having me on. And I'll make sure I've got a couple uh, online resources. I'll email you so you can put them with your show notes for some other resources for volunteering and COVID-19.
2: I knew I loved you as our (laughs) guest for more more reason than one. So, (laughs) all right, Jacob, thank you so much.
1: That's another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks to my fantastic co-host, Stacy Wedding, without whom this would be super boring and no one would listen to it. <laughs> and uh, go ahead and send us any questions. If something we talked about today piqued your interest, uh, go ahead and send us a question. Uh, and new for, for now, as long as the supplies last, send us a question, include your address, and we will send you a brand new limited edition Nonprofit Everything sticker complete with QR codes. So that when somebody says, what is that? You can say, take a picture of it and find out. <laughs> um, this is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. One of the fantastic ways you can support the podcast is by joining Anne. So please uh, go ahead and join Anne. That's a fantastic way to support us. And we will see you in a couple of weeks.